This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. A rainy day here in the Northeast. We're getting the remnants of Hurricane Ida that, of course, absolutely devastated the state of Louisiana. Uh, Looking at some of the pictures this morning uh, from Grand Isle, uh, a place out in the Outer Banks, and how badly it got wiped out was just horrific. Uh, but we're happy to be back. We were off the last couple of days. My house is, uh, I mean, I don't want to be overly dramatic. It's kind of a construction zone. We're working on uh, getting ready to put the house on the market. And so the last couple of days have been spent painting. And if there is anything I hate more in the world than painting, uh, well, other than maybe nails going down a chalkboard, I can't think of what it is. I absolutely hate to paint. So, But we've been doing that the last couple of days as uh uh, we get ready to begin our transition, and hopefully hopefully we'll get the house on the market in a few weeks. It'll sell quickly, and uh, we'll be moving south and uh, relocating Sports Country Radio. Can't wait. Uh, all right, lots to get to this morning. Of course, the big news that everybody here in New England talking about, well, in addition to the Red Sox debacle, we'll get to that in a minute, uh, is the fact that Cam Newton got cut by the Patriots yesterday, opening the door for the rookie, Mac Jones, to be the new starting quarterback and probably the quarterback, hopefully, uh, at least this is what Patriot fans and the Patriot organization hope for when they drafted him, he will be the quarterback for a long, long time. Um, Look, you know, here in New England, you know, actually, you know, in most NFL cities, but here in New England, we've gotten used to, you get used to stability, right? And Tom Brady was here for forever. You know, and then, of course, he decides to leave. So they bring in Cam Newton. Everybody figured Cam Newton was a stopgap. It was a one-year thing. They were going to try to figure something out. And when they re-signed him this offseason, there was a lot of surprise from people that they did that. There were other quarterbacks out on the market, and yet they decided to go with Cam Newton. And all training camp, Bill Belichick is insisting Cam Newton's our quarterback. Cam Newton's our quarterback. Cam Newton's our quarterback. Despite the fact that you looked in the preseason games, Mac Jones had looked very good. Uh, Frankly, I thought he looked better uh, than Cam Newton. The numbers say he was better than Cam Newton. But it's not only that. It's the fact, and, and this is where I think Cam Newton screwed himself. Last week, when he left the team, to go to some out-of-town doctor's thing or whatever it was, and by the way, which is just kind of bizarre to begin with, and then comes back and has to basically quarantine for five days with the NFL rules. Why? Well, because he's not vaccinated. Had he been vaccinated, that would not have been the case. So that was that outed Cam Newton right there. That, you know, he had been asked the question about whether you're vaccinated or not. And he said, well, you know, it's a personal thing. I don't think we should be talking about that. Well, that outed him. 
So everybody knew he wasn't vaccinated. So then, so for basically a week prior to your final preseason game, your final tune-up for the regular season, that you are supposed to be the starting quarterback for this team, you make yourself unavailable for five days of practice before that final game because you were too selfish to get vaccinated. And to if you think that didn't play into the, the decision to cut him, you are naive, especially knowing Bill Belichick the way we all do over the years. There, I guarantee you, he was fuming. And his teammates should have been fuming. You know, there was no excuse for that. So I believe, and no one's ever going to admit that, and when Bill Belichick has a press conference today, he is not going to tell you how much that played into the decision. But I guarantee you, I would bet this house on the fact that that was the majority of the decision. Because you know what? They could have still named Mac Jones the starter, and kept Cam Newton as the backup in case, you know, Jones threw up all over himself when the season started. And they chose not to do that. That speaks volumes. So there's no question that they had to do this, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, now, Dan Zapata was the one that told me this yesterday. He texted me to say, hey, you know, my Friday visit, we're going to have a lot to talk about. And then he sent me the link to the, to the story on ESPN that he had been cut. And I was like, oh, and I have to admit I was shocked. But at the same time, I wasn't shocked. And the more I thought about it, the more I said it's the absolute right decision. Now, it does mean that the Patriots are playing without a net. Now, they cut Hoyer yesterday. Now, they're going to re-sign him on Tuesday, but it gave him some more flexibility uh, you know, as far as the 53-man roster goes. They're going to re-sign him. But it does, you know, and Jared Stidham has been hurt, so it does leave them without a safety net. If Mac Jones gets hurt, Patriots are in trouble. <laughs> let's, let's, be, let's be honest. But look, it's not like this, that, that Cam Newton was the second coming of... Tom Brady. I mean, and look, Cam Newton in his prime before all the injuries, having Cam Newton on that team would have been exciting, but this is a shadow of the former Cam Newton. He was 7-8 and eight as a starter for the Patriots. 7-8. and eight. And if you're going to draft Mac Jones as high as you did, why not? Why not just let him play? You know, and look, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago, they wouldn't have done this. NFL teams weren't handing the keys to a Maserati to a guy just drafted. I don't care who you were. More often than not, in the you know in in the old days, <laughs> they sound like a uh, you know ninety year old grandpa. But in the old days, it didn't matter where you got drafted as a quarterback. You weren't starting your first year. You were going to learn. Well, now he's going to learn on the job, and I like it. And and. Uh, I was, you know, look, I, I, my first inclination when Cam Newton, it, it all came out, what happened? I was, I was like, you know, what a jerk. And I'm sorry. There's no other way to put it. And I feel the same way about the stuff going on with the Red Sox. And again, we'll get to that in a minute as well. But the Red Sox are in the process, have, have basically shot themselves in the foot because they have a lot of selfish players. 
Well, you know, Cam Newton showed how selfish he is. We have many teams around the NFL that are vaccinated in the 90% range. You know, and look, when you are making the amount of money these people are making, you have got to do the right thing. Your teammates, the other 52 guys on that roster, are counting on you to do the right thing. And, you know, good for the NFL. In, in, in a lot of ways, a lot of teams are trying to, to spin this to their guys saying, hey, look, if we're vaccinated, this is a competitive advantage for two reasons. Number one, if you're vaccinated, you could still test positive, but you're not going to get super sick. And if you're vaccinated, and we have 90-plus percent of our team vaccinated, the, the protocols and the quarantines and stuff are, are much shorter. So it's a no-brainer. Urban Meyer, the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, came out yesterday and said, flat out said, that when they were making their decisions on who they were going to cut, that their vaccination status played into that. He said it was a consideration. Now, of course, the NFL Players Association immediately lost their minds and said they're going to launch an investigation because, uh, uh, you know, it's not supposed to, you know, it's not in the collective bargaining agreement that they have to do that. But look, the NFL has very strict protocols for unvaccinated players. Very strict. Um, and it would behoove the Players Association to get on board and if not allow the NFL to legislate this, that as a Players Association you would get with your players and say, hey, do the right thing. You know, and look, Urban Meyer, he's a bull in a china shop. He, we're we're going to see quotes from Urban Meyer going forward as long as he's in the NFL because he's got a huge ego and, and uh, you know, unfortunately he's going to be part of the story with the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's not just going to be on the field. It's going to be what he does as well. But I don't blame him. I don't blame him one bit. Just like I don't blame the Patriots. Look, there was a there was a quality of play issue in here, but there was also a quality of character thing in here. And not to say Cam Newton's a bad guy, but you are not, in my opinion, this is just my opinion, you are not a team player if you are going to do something that would put the risk the rest of your team at a competitive disadvantage. And make no mistake, if Cam Newton had remained unvaccinated and something had happened during the season there, he tested positive, he would have had to miss a minimum of two games. And think so think about that for a minute. You know, in a season as short as the NFL's, two games is a big deal. And so you'd basically be saying, oh, I'll screw you. I'm going, you know, I'm just going to go hang out at home for, you know, and, and leave the rest of your team hanging in the lurch. I have no issue with this being one of the factors as to why he got cut. And I guarantee you, Urban Meyer came out and said it yesterday, you know, and again, maybe he shouldn't have. But I guarantee you that the vaccination status of players was a factor 
in damn near every team in the NFL yesterday. Period. The end. And if you don't think so, you are naive. So, uh, whether Cam Newton plays again or not, who knows? Look, there are other teams that that have quarterback issues. <laughs> you know, he was immediately linked to uh, Houston with the, the whole Deshaun Watson mess down there, and you know, uh, and and he will land somewhere. Uh, Miami with Tua. There's a lot of people that don't believe Tua should be that team's quarterback. That don't believe he is the quarterback of the future. Their head coaches said he's our quarterback, he's our guy. But he's your guy until you're in week three and you're 0-2 and, you know, he's puked up the footballs, you know, a few times. All of a sudden, maybe he's not your guy anymore. So we'll see how that plays. I think Cam Newton will land somewhere. It probably will be as a backup, but he'll be a backup with enough talent to push a starter or if a team stumbles a little bit to say, hey, what do we got to lose? Let's give them a shot. But the Cam Newton era in New England is over, and uh, and it should have been over just based on his selfishness, in my opinion. Now, we transition from that to the Boston Red Sox. And to tell you that I am incensed, at what has happened to the Red Sox would be an understatement. And why? Because it's self-inflicted. Ladies and gentlemen, the Boston Red Sox are one of just six teams in Major League Baseball. Six teams that have not reached 85% vaccinations. Think about that for a minute. A team with one of the largest payrolls in Major League Baseball is one of the teams that has guys making the most money, and yet they are not vaccinated fully or even to the 85% capacity. So when you have positive tests, and this is the frustrating part, and it has to be for the guys that were vaccinated. Even if you're vaccinated and you test positive, because your team is not at that 85% threshold, you have no recourse. You have to stay out for 10 days. If this team was 85% vaccinated, the requirements are much lower. You could have been back after a handful of games. But because your teammates, you have teammates on this team that are selfish and do not want to get the vaccine, you now have lost a quarter of your roster to COVID for the essentially a week and a half in the middle of a playoff race. You are trying to survive the fact that the Tampa Bay Rays are hotter than a firecracker and battle for the wild card with the Athletics, the Mariners, and the Yankees and you have now crippled yourself by having a quarter of your roster down with COVID and unavailable. And it isn't just anybody. Your starting second baseman, Christian Arroyo, out. Xander Bogarts, arguably the best player on your team, or at least the best hitter, got pulled yesterday in the first inning. Out for 10 days. 
So there's two key guys. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, and I, I forgot. Your leadoff hitter and center fielder, Kike Hernandez, who has been hotter than hell for the last uh, six weeks or so, out with COVID. So three starters in your batting order, done. Then you lose most of your bullpen. Matt Barnes, out. Josh Taylor, done because he was a close contact. Uh, Sawamura, done. Martin Perez, now he's not a key member of anything, but Martin Perez, out. It was so bad yesterday that they had to, I mean, they've called up anybody but everybody but me. They had Yara Munoz playing second base yesterday. Are you kidding me? You know, all this roster flexibility that they want, that they thought they had, well, for the next, you know, next week, because some of the guys have already missed three or four games, but for the next week, this is going to resemble uh, some of the debacles that we had last year. Last night was a perfect example. Last night's game reminded me of the 2020 season where the Red Sox couldn't do anything right. Tampa scored eight runs last night, ladies and gentlemen, on five hits. Eight runs on five hits. Why? Because the Red Sox walked four guys. They hit three guys. They made two errors. I mean, it It just It was like the Keystone Cops. It was gross. And give them credit, I guess, for the fact that they came back and they made it close and they actually brought the tying run to the plate in the ninth inning. Well, congratulations. But if I'm Xander Bogarts, and, and I don't know that Bogey is one of the guys that's vaccinated or not, but if I'm one of these guys that's vaccinated and I'm sitting at home and I'm watching this because a couple of a-holes, actually it's more than a couple, because when you've got a 26-man roster and coaches, it's more than a couple. That tells me you've got you've got probably uh, you know maybe 10 guys, 12 guys that haven't been vaccinated. And if I'm one of those guys sitting at home watching that crap last night, the first thing I'm going to do when I get back, I'm going to punch one of these guys right in the mouth and say, hey, thanks for screwing up our season. They now have a one-game lead over the Oakland Athletics for that final wild card spot. The only thing salvaging their ass is the fact that the Yankees have now lost four in a row. And the Seattle Mariners are breathing down their necks as well. Seattle's only three and a half back of that second wild card. And you're doing this in the midst of having a four-game series with the team that was in front of you in the standings. You had a chance. If you had any chance of getting back into the race in the AL East, you had to you know, take three out of four from the Rays. Well, you know, look, they've lost the first two in the series, and they've done it badly because of this mess. And Chris Sale's going to the mound today, which is great, except who's he got behind him? Jesus, he better, he better like, show uh, vintage form and pitch a shutout. Pitch a no-hitter, because it might be the only way they're going to win. He might, he might have to strike out 27 guys so they don't make, you know, a million errors behind him and lose the game anyway. I mean, it's just disgusting that a team with a payroll of damn near $200 million can't get their crap together and can't get vaccinated. And I, and I have to admit, there's some frustration on my part as well 
Earlier in the season, the Yankees got devastated with COVID. Well, Major League Baseball allowed them to take a couple of days off. Same thing with the Washington Nationals and the Phillies and a couple of other teams that earlier in the season, they were giving teams a pass for a couple of days and, you know, kind of mitigate the mess. Well, with only 28 games left in the season and time running out, Major League Baseball doesn't have time to give the Red Sox a day off now or two days off now to get to work through this. Basically, Rob Manfred said, ah, too bad. You know what? You guys want to be one of the six that's not, that's not vaccinated? You know what? Deal with it. And I almost think, and I'd be willing to bet there's a piece of that. And it also tells me that maybe the Yankees and the Phillies and the Nationals that got hit with this earlier, maybe they were 85% vaccinated. And maybe that's why they got that extra time and the benefit of the doubt. Red Sox don't deserve it. And you all know how, you know, how much the Red Sox mean to me and how much I root for them, but you know what? They don't deserve it. If they make the playoffs, it'll be a damn miracle. I'm not saying I don't want them to make the playoffs, and I'm not saying that, look, and and to me, if they make the playoffs, let's say they make the wild card. In that one-game wild card, if it's against the Yankees, and you got Chris Sale going against Garrett Cole, that's what baseball's all about. That's going to be fun. And with this Red Sox lineup and Chris Sale pitching, I give the Red Sox a decent chance to advance. But they got to get there first. And if they continue to play the way they have the last couple of nights with all their regular starters out, they got no shot. And those guys that are vaccinated should be livid. Absolutely livid. So, you know, again... We have been dealing with this COVID thing now for so long. I, 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 I still don't understand people that fight against the vaccine the way they do. I don't. We still have nurses in this country. Nurses. People that work in the medical field that aren't vaccinated. I saw a stat, and I don't know if this is true, but I saw a stat that's, that said that 95% of the doctors across this country are vaccinated, but only about 50 to 60% of the nurses. That's unconscionable. You know, I saw an interview this morning on the Today Show. There was this nurse they interviewed about that has, isn't vaccinated who said, well, you know, what if I, I know the chances are small, but what if I'm one of those, you know, uh, very small, you know, number of people that, that could have a reaction to it? Well, you know what? I could ha- I could get hit by lightning taking a walk around my block, too. You know, the difference is if I get hit by lightning walking around my block, it doesn't affect anybody else. To me, the risks are so infinitesimal with this that you have to get this done, especially if you work in the medical field or you work in a situation where your organization is threatened because you don't do this. For instance, professional sports. Football has a very stringent COVID policy. And it seems to me that football players are getting on board more than uh, a lot of other sports. You know, if you are in a position where being selfish means that you could affect the livelihood and the chances of, of your team advancing and I know I know sports isn't rocket science I know sports isn't life or death I get that but at the same time 
it's a multi-billion, billion, billion, billion dollar industry in this United States. And a lot of people rely on it. And it is a big part of our culture. But at the same time, it's also their jobs. It's your job. And if you're selfish, you're threatening the job of your teammate. If you are a nurse that's unvaccinated, you are threatening the livelihood of the other nurses. Or how about not even that? How about if you got some you know sick people coming in and you're not vaccinated? What the hell is the matter with you? But the, the Red Sox thing just continues to, to boggle my mind as far as the vaccination goes. And, and, and it would serve them right if they don't make the playoffs. I'm not saying I want that to happen, but I am angry. When they, you know, I was already upset about it, but when last night they had to pull Xander Bogarts out in the middle of the game, I was like, oh my God. And I feel bad for Alex Cora. Alex Cora has been a proponent of the vaccines. He's vaccinated. He's been trying to encourage his players to get vaccinated. But at some point, you just throw up your hands and said, it's out of my hands. And that guy looks like he has been beat to crap. He just looks defeated. He's got to be frustrated as hell. He's got to be angry. He should punch somebody in the mouth. You know, and if this, and if this outbreak causes them to lose the wild card to the A's or the Mariners, then... They only have themselves to blame because it showed that they are more committed to being an anti-vaxxer than it is being committed to your teammates and to doing what you need to do to win games. That simple. And I, I, I just, I, I'm, yeah, gross. Anyway, yeah. And, and but, oh, by the way, one other thing about the whole vaccine thing. Major League Baseball Network. So I watch it quite often. Two of their uh, big analysts, two big names, uh, are not allowed in the MLB studios. Why? Because they aren't vaccinated and refuse to get vaccinated. Who? John Smoltz, Al Leiter. John Smoltz, who is the lead analyst for Fox does games with Joe Buck, scheduled to do the uh, American League Division Series. Won't get vaccinated. So the MLB network has said, stay home. Same thing with Al Leiter. What pisses me off is that they're telling them to stay home, yet they're, they're going to make concessions for these guys. They're going to have a video. They're going to set up a video thing in their house so that they can uh, still be part of the network from their home. Screw that. I tell them to go pound sand. Not only that, I'm not paying you. Because MLB has a... Uh, starting today, MLB Network has made it mandatory for all of its employees to be vaccinated. And we're going to see this across the country for a lot of uh, organizations. And those organizations have a right to do that. You know, it's the same, you know, it, it, I'm sorry, it is. You know, it's the same as a dress code. <laughs> well, maybe not quite that same, but it, it, to me, mandatory vaccinations, I have no issue with it. And I don't want to hear about your infringement on my rights or anything else. You know what? If you want to work for us, these are the rules. If you don't want to follow the rules, then go find another job. It's no hard feelings. Seriously. You know, I mean, you don't want to get vaccinated? Fine. Go find another job that will let you not be vaccinated. But you don't have to work here. And I'll be very curious to see how Fox is going to handle this, by the way. Uh, you know, and if I'm Joe Buck and I'm vaccinated and John Smoltz is going to be in the booth with me, I'd say, how about we don't bring him in the booth? How about we put somebody else in there? Have him on. Uh, he could be on the studio show from his home. Because it's ridiculous. 
33 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll actually talk about what happened on the field last night. Back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 35 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. We don't need to talk much more about the Red Sox game other than uh, I already told you what a disaster it was last night. Um, uh, they out-hit they out him 10-5 to 5 and lost the game. Unreal. Uh, it was nice to see Hunter Renfro back last night. His father passed away um, uh, last week and uh, spent a few days away. Uh, he and his dad were very, very close. And uh, uh, it was nice to see him back last night. Had a couple of uh, doubles in his return. Uh, Kyle Schwarber had another strong game with a uh, uh, two-for-four night, including a home run. J.D. Martinez with an RBI single. Uh, Rafi Devers drove in his 97th. I mean, you look at some of the things that happened last night and you go, well, Jesus, that's great. Yeah, ex- except for the part that the Red Sox, because of the COVID thing, had to start Brad Peacock. <laughs> Brad Peacock is a guy that was pitching in AAA for Cleveland. Folks, Brad Peacock had an ERA of over seven in AAA, and he had just started three days ago. So they bring him back on short rest, hoping to get three innings out of him. What they got was two and a third innings, two hits, five runs, couple of walks, couple of hit batters. It was great. <laughs> uh, then they had to bring in a guy, uh, Gonzalez, a guy, another guy they picked up off the scrap heap from Minnesota uh, because they he's another guy they had to call up because of uh, missing six guys out of their bullpen. So for the first five innings of the game were guys that you never heard of. Then Phillips Valdez came in, restored some order, three innings. He gave up one run, but it was unearned. Pitched pretty well, only gave up one hit. But the Red Sox just, you know, continued to shoot themselves in the foot. So it's just gross. Just absolutely gross. Um, so, as I said, Chris Sale today against Drew Rasmussen, they have to win the game today. And I'm not even talking about catching the Rays anymore. That's not even an issue. They're 10 games back. They're not catching Tampa. Tampa could lose everybody and use their triple-A team and still hold on to the lead between now and the end of the season. In my, I mean, the Red Sox are 10 back. But they need to win tonight, and they need to win tomorrow. Chris Sale and Nate Evaldi go with the next two games. They are must-wins, period. Red Sox are 20-23 and 23 since the All-Star break. You know, and they didn't do anything at the break, uh, you know, at the trade deadline other than trade for Schwarber, who was still on the DL when they traded. But everybody kept saying, but, you know, getting Chris Sale back is going to be like making a a trade deadline deal. So it's going to be the difference. Well, if it's going to be the difference, and look, make make no mistake, Chris Sale has pitched extremely well since coming back from Tommy John surgery. You know, the velocity is coming back. The You know, the endurance isn't quite there. He's still going to be in the 80-ish pitch mark. They're not going to let him go crazy. You know, but he has given them a chance to win every game that he has started since coming back. So they got to win tonight, and they got to get a win from Ivaldi if they're going to hang on to this lead. Uh, and they got to stop start start playing real defense. It's just it's it's gotten to the point where it's ludicrous. Um, the saving grace yesterday for the Red Sox is that the Yankees lost. The Yankees lost to the Angels six to four. Yanks have, after that 13-game winning streak, have now lost four in a row. And I'll tell you what, the A's did it, I mean, the Angels did it in style last night. How about a double steal that included Shohei Otani stealing home? They had two 
double steals last night against that great defensive catcher, by the way, Gary Sanchez, that people want to tell you is you know, great catcher. No, he's not. He's the worst catcher in history. Well, maybe not, but <laughs> you know what I mean. He's not a great defensive catcher. Now, on the, on the, uh, on the steal of home by Otani, they threw through. Sanchez threw, you know, and, and uh, Aaron Boone defended it afterwards, said he had no – no problem with, with him throwing through. It was a bang-bang play, and you know he thought today defended it right. But regardless, Shohei Otani, who just – look, at this point, I can't even argue the whole – I can't even argue the whole MVP thing. Because, look, he is doing stuff that's special, but he's only hitting two sixty two. I You know, that's my, that's my issue with it, I think, is the whole MVP thing. You know, A, I don't believe pitchers should ever be MVPs. And he's been a better pitcher than he's been a hitter. I know he's got 42 home runs, but he's hitting 262. Vlad Guerrero is hitting over 300. He's got almost as you know many home runs as Otani does. But Vlad Jr. doesn't pitch, so I get it. And not only that, Otani steals bases. I mean, you know, that's the that's the other thing about this is that you know he can steal bases as well. He's I mean he's a and he's a big dude, right? He's six four. You know, not your prototypical speed guy. But he's got 22 stolen bases this year. That's sixth in the majors. You know, and he's, what, 6'4", 215 pounds. Not your prototypical speed guy, but he's got speed. So, you know, I can't even argue the MVP thing. He's going to win it, and it's probably going to be it's probably going to be unanimous, except for maybe, you know, a beat writer from uh, Toronto. But, you know, the Red Sox managed to stay within two games of the Yankees. And to me, again, this is important for, for a couple of reasons. Number one, you know, with the A's and the, and the Mariners breathing down their necks, the Red Sox, they're not catching the, the Jays, I mean the Rays, but they could catch the Yankees. Maybe the Red Sox could get themselves into the number one wild card slot. Leapfrog the Yankees. So if the Yankees then would have to play at Fenway, or maybe if the Yankees slip a little more, maybe Oakland catches the Yankees instead of the Red Sox. I mean, so it's important that they keep the Red Sox close. I mean, the Red Sox keep the Yankees close. It's it's vital. So the Angels help them out last night. Uh, but tonight, uh, there's a good chance that this, <laughs> this uh, losing streak will be snapped. Garrett Cole goes tonight, uh, pitching in his home area. He's from Orange County. 13 and 6 with a 280 ERA uh and uh in four career starts at at, at Anaheim Stadium he's 3 and 0. Uh and he's going to go against Packy Naughton. What a name that is. Packy Naughton uh is going to make his first major league start against Garrett Cole. Best of luck to you. Uh but again, another reason why if you're the Red Sox, it's important that Chris Sale give you a good performance and you back him up to get that win tonight to keep yourself within a couple of games of New York because uh, I've already got that one in the books for them tonight. Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, they are, they're not dead, but they're on life support. They lose to the Baltimore Orioles yesterday. <laughs> you heard me right. They lost to the Baltimore Orioles 4-2. to two. Uh, Toronto is now four and a half back of the second wild card. They're not out of it. But they are in trouble. When you start losing to the uh, Baltimore Orioles, you know you got problems. And last night, uh, Vlad Jr. with a homer in this game. Danny Jansen with a homer. But it wasn't enough. Keegan Aiken won back-to-back starts for the first time in his career. He's now 2-8. and eight. He's got an ERA 
After last night, he went five, gave up two hits and a run. He's still got an ERA of seven. But the bullpen for the Orioles does a great job. Four innings, just one run, and uh, they hold on to beat Toronto 4-2. to two. By the way, the home run for uh, Vlad Jr. yesterday, his 39th. 96 runs batted in. Just uh, having a phenomenal year uh, and, and showing that his commitment to losing weight, getting himself in the best shape of his life, it, it has paid dividends. Hitting 313. Steven Matz will take the hill for Toronto today against uh, Connecticut's own Matt Harvey, who is 6-14. Um, but the Oakland Athletics are making noise, and uh, they whacked the Tigers yesterday 9-3. to Matt Chapman, a huge game. A couple of home runs. He had a two-run shot in the third. He had another one in the ninth. Made a big double play in the game. Uh, and Oakland wins this one 9-3. Cole Irvin got the start. He wasn't very good for Oakland, but that Oakland bullpen, which has been kind of hit or miss, uh, was a hit last night. Diolis Guerra ends up getting the win with an inning and a third of uh, scoreless relief. Uh, Tarek Skubal, the young kid from Detroit, got whacked around yesterday. Six runs in just five innings. Uh, George Springer, back for Toronto, by the way. Uh, I forgot to mention that. Um didn't have a hit yesterday, but it's good to see George Springer back, uh, another Connecticut guy. Uh, and as far as Oakland goes, they will send James Caprillion to the mound tonight. Uh, Willie Peralta is supposed to get the start for Detroit. He is returning from the injured list where he's been for the last couple of weeks with a finger blister. So uh, Oakland just one game back of the Red Sox now. The Seattle Mariners, as I said, three and a half back, and that is because they shut out the Houston Astros yesterday. This was a great game. It was a nothing-nothing game to the bottom of the eighth, and then Abraham Toro with a grand slam home run against his former team, and it came off of Kendall Graveman, the guy that he was traded for. Gra Graveman... Uh, Gave up the salami in the eighth. Kendall Graveman, since coming to Houston, has been pretty good, except when he has faced his former team. Uh, and uh, Seattle got a great start from Yusei Kikuchi. He did not factor in the decision because uh, Seattle won it after he left the game. Paul Seawall gets the win. Uh, Sean Doolittle with a scoreless ninth inning, but... Uh, Kendall Graveman, his first loss of the season, and even after giving up the Grand Slam last night, still has an ERA of just 1.79. But Abraham Torre, I believe that was his third home run against his former team since the trade. So now the Mariners are three and a half back of the Red Sox for the second wild card. And Oakland is within five of the Houston Astros for the lead in the AL West. I don't think it's realistic that they're going to catch them. Uh, the, the A's also, by the way, yesterday lost... Uh, uh, yeah, Mitch Moreland to the disabled list. So uh, I don't think they've got enough to catch him. I don't think Seattle does either. But we'll see. Houston will send Jake Odorizzi to the Hill for the series finale tonight, and it'll be Logan Gilbert for the Mariners. Gilbert has lost his last three decisions, so he'll be looking to turn that one around tonight. We're going to take a break. When we come back, back. yeah, I can speak. We'll, uh, we'll take a look at the National League. Back in a minute, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 48 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. So the New York Mets uh, pick up a couple of wins yesterday against the Miami Marlins, wins that the Mets desperately needed as they try to 
hang in there. They're still five and a half back of the Braves, five and a half back of the second wild card. Um, still two games under 500 despite the sweep yesterday. But they're not dead yet. They still have life. Uh, they have now won three straight. And maybe some healing went on yesterday. Uh, Javier Baez, who has been involved uh, in that controversy in New York over uh, the thumbs-down gesture uh, that he and Francisco Lindor had used in response to being booed by fans. Look, they got skewered for this. And you know what? They should have been skewered. You know, and, and I don't... It, Javi Baez made a, you know, an apology yesterday, I guess you want to call it that. And he was like, look, you know... Uh, uh, I love the fans. You know, this that my my thumbs down gesture wasn't uh, uh, directed towards the fans. You know, it's just uh, frustration. You know, because you know of of the way things have been going, and you know, yada yada yada. And look, um, here's the deal. And, and Bias came in as a pinch hitter in the eighth inning, and he ended up coming around, and he ended up scoring the winning run in that opening game and, you know, got cheered. He got booed when he first came up. But look, here's the thing. Your team deserves to get booed by Mets fans. Just like if those, if the Red Sox had been at home last night and had given a performance last night in Boston, the way that they did in Tampa, the Red Sox would have gotten booed and they would have deserved every bit of it. Let's remember, and, and, I, and I know it, there isn't an exact direct correlation, but at the end of the day, the fans coming to that ballpark are paying your salary. You know, I get it that you know, ticket revenue alone isn't what pays the salaries. However, if there were no fans at those games, there would be no team in that, in that, that city. The fact that Tampa still has a team amazes me when th this is, you know, and, I, and I hadn't talked about this earlier, but, you know, I digress for one second. The Tampa Bay Rays are having a phenomenal year. They are 84 and 48. They are 36 games over 500. They have outscored their opponents by 171 runs, which is the second most by only two runs. In Major League Baseball, they are having a, an historic year. And yet they had 6,500 people at that ballgame. 6,500. Red Sox sometimes have 6,500 people there for batting practice. That is a disgrace. So I don't know how they still, you know, and the talk about, well, you know, Maybe the Rays will go to, you know, Montreal or maybe they'll go here. Maybe they, they should. The people of Florida, if that's how you're going to support your team on a day-by-day -day basis when you're winning like this, you don't deserve to have a team. So Met fans that still come out to games, and by the way, tickets to go to a Mets game are not cheap. If I'm paying, you know, 75 or 100 bucks for a seat, you know, to get a decent seat at a Mets game, and they're playing like horse crap, I ought to boo. That's like paying, it's like going to a movie and having to pay 10, 12 bucks to go to a movie and have the movie be a piece of crap. You know, you have the right as a fan to boo.
if your team is playing like crap, you have a right to step in and boo. I'm sorry. And if the players don't like it, find another profession. Seriously. Because it is well within their rights. So I don't want to hear Javi Baez's apology because I, I, don't, I don't believe it's sincere. He was pouting because he got booed. And he's a free agent at the end of the year. He's probably not going to re-sign in New York anyway. But Francisco Lindor signed a 10-year contract. He's got nine more years there. Unless it gets so bad he wears out his welcome and the Mets have to trade him. But, you know, think about that. So stop having such a thin skin and play better. Not just you, but the entire team. And the team's played like horse crap over the last month. They deserve to get booed. So uh, he apologized. I don't, you know, I don't think it's sincere. But anyway, the Mets uh, win 6-5. They score five runs in the bottom of the ninth inning to win the opener. They were down 5-1. to one. Uh, And then uh, they win the regular scheduled game 3-1. to one. Michael Conforto with a big, a big day. Brandon Nimmo had a big day. Uh, Nimmo had five hits in the doubleheader, including a home run. Uh, so, you know, a better performance without question, but they are still on life support. Uh, Phillies uh, beat the Nationals yesterday 12-6. Bryce Harper, another big day at 3-for-5 afternoon. Uh, look, Bryce Harper is having a great season. Unfortunately, the rest of his team stinks because they can't pitch. I mean, you know, they had to score 12 runs to win a game because their starting pitcher gave up five in three and a third innings. But uh, the Phillies are in much better position than the Mets right now. The Phillies are two and a half games back of the Atlanta Braves and two and a half back of the wild card. Phillies have now won five straight, got themselves to four games over 500. Um, and, uh, you know, they are in much better shape. San Francisco Giants yesterday uh, tick, took one on the chin. They lose to the Milwaukee Brewers for the second straight day. And now their lead over the Dodgers is just a half a game. San Francisco with a three-game losing streak. We haven't said that very often. They are tied with Tampa with for the most wins in Major League Baseball. And now they are uh, got to work like hell to try to stay on top of the Dodgers. Uh, Kevin Gaussman is going to pitch for the Giants today against Brett Anderson. Gaussman's having a great year. ERA just 2.49. Uh, but Johnny Cueto, who had been great for San Francisco, came into the game with an ERA of under four, gave up 10 hits and six runs in three and two-thirds. So they need Gaussman to be a stopper. They kind of bounce back and uh, uh, you know, so that they can try to stay on top of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, the San Diego Padres win yesterday. Blake Snell with a no-hitter for seven innings. They had to pull him because uh, he had thrown 107 pitches. Uh, Diamondbacks ended up getting a hit off of the, a reliever in the uh, eighth inning. They ended up with three in the game. But San Diego wins the game 3-0. Uh, San Diego's now won two in a row, and they are tied with the Cincinnati Reds uh, for that second wild card spot. Right now it would be against the Dodgers, but it could be against the Giants depending on how things go in the next couple of days. Uh, but the Padres showing signs of life. Uh, the Dodgers beat the Braves yesterday 3-2. Corey Seager with a big double uh, in the eighth inning, the difference in that game. And uh, Max Scherzer takes the mound for the Dodgers today. He is 8-0 and with an ERA of 2.67 in 13 starts since the first week of June. 
That's going to do it for us here this morning. We're going to leave you with an oldie this morning, a little Chicago. Does anybody really know what time it is? We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.